This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. you guys welcome to this week's episode of the temple of hope uh we are on a celebrity roll we got yeah. we got somebody else uh now on the real this is my uh this, this is a funny story i got my college buddy uh michael perkins i remember i was we were on campus i met him at alabama a&m and i was like we was hooping. i was like why do everybody keep calling this dude hardball and, <laughs> and then after the game they was like oh he was in hardball I was like, oh, he was an hardball <laughs> looking at him. So, yeah, we got uh, Kofi from Hardball, a.k.a. Michael Perkins, uh, my brother, MFG fan. What's going on with you, bro? Oh, I appreciate appreciate it, man. Oh, I'm good, man. Just trying to stay safe out here. And uh, glad to be on the Temple of Hoop, man. I've been waiting man, for, I... the, for, the, for the knock, for the for the invite. You know what I'm saying? I didn't want to be intruding, and be vague, you know <laughs> Just ready to get 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 some heat off, you know, some stuff that's sitting on my chest. All right, right on. Yeah, I was no, like, I'm, I'm ready. Appreciate it, man. We we used to argue about this stuff all the time at A and M. I was like, just 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 hop on the show, bro. The same thing we used to do in the in, in the old gym every day in between classes. So uh, <laughs> let's get it going. Before we get going, Mike, talk about. Uh, I love your pack, your podcast, your live from the couch uh, project. It's pretty much a culture and uh and lifestyle podcast. You're going to talk about that real quick before we get going with this hoop stuff. Oh uh, yeah, so I got a podcast called Live from the Couch. Uh, basically, is yes, yeah, lifestyle, uh, comedy. We basically, um, the concept came from you know just friends chilling on the couch and you know just this is just spitballing, just coming with like <laughs> right. from the wildest things you can think of to like some real filler, like some like some real little knowledgeable stuff. You know what I'm saying? And then especially with our podcast, it's just you get you probably get three of the wildest views. I'm probably the wildest view uh, <laughs> on, on on the podcast. But uh no, it's just a good good um wholesome podcast where it's like we it's nothing on nothing ain't nothing off limits once it gets to the couch. You know what I'm saying? I we ain't gonna you. hurt your feelings. We just gonna try to provide you with good insight. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, so tap in on my boy. It's available on uh, all platforms, Spotify. All right, Kings, I'm going to let you go first because you called this at the time of the trade. Basically, uh, the Nets, <laughs> the Nets they, did make, they made the trade, got the super team going. But uh, one of the red flags that we did see here on this show was the defense. And in true fashion, uh, it has not been good. The Nets, to, to be fair, it's new. They are hovering around 500 since they made the trade. But they lost uh, back-to-back to the Cavs on the road and giving up 134 paint points in two games. 77 each game. Uh, Jared Allen and DeAndre Drummond pretty much went had their way inside against DeAndre Jordan and whoever else they had out there. Then on top of that, they they won the game against the G League Miami Heat. <laughs> it came down to the point Kyrie had to turn that heat on the fourth. He was special, six or seven in the fourth quarter, a couple threes to close them out. 
So, King, let him know. What's up with that defense, man? Talk to me about these Nets. Man, defense is terrible. Absolutely <laughs> terrible. I mean, my goodness. I mean, I knew it was bad. It was bad. It was already bad before when they had Jared Allen. Um, them getting rid of Jared Allen has just made it completely awful. I mean, they can't stop anybody down there. Uh, they made Andre Drummond look good offensively. They had Larry Nance looking good offensively. Uh, Bam Adebayo had his first 40-point game. Uh, like I said, man, it's it's career highs against Brooklyn every night, damn near. I mean, it's just, it's just bad. They can't stop no one from getting inside the paint. Uh, they can't stop no one from getting positioned down in the paint. Uh, they struggle rebounding. It's just it's just bad. I mean, I, I don't even know where they can start to fix it, honestly. Um, they're talking about bringing Javel McGee. I mean, <laughs> that's not going to do anything. I mean, maybe it gives them some minutes where they can get at least one stop instead of in like three minutes instead of zero. So I guess that's like an improvement. But, man, it's a problem. And like Harden, like, you know, we told – I told people, bro, when they made that trade, like people were talking like all three of them dudes was going to be averaging 30 every night. I'm like, bro – they're not going to touch the ball and score 30 points every single night, man. Like, it's not enough possessions for that to happen. One of these dudes is going to have to sacrifice, and they're going to have to play defense. Harden sacrifices offense. He's trying to play like John Stockton, trying to get all these assists, which is cool. I mean, he's, he's getting the Kyrie and getting KD and all them looks. But the problem with that is if he's not going to try to score, he has to defend. He's yeah. not defending. He's not moving off ball that much still. So he's, you know, he's not doing enough to offset the fact that he's not scoring that much. So they got a lot of things to figure out. Yeah, remember, I, I, I put it out. I was like, man, those opposing centers are going to make sure they're healthy for that Nets game. <laughs> they see that, that career high. So, uh, HB Harbaugh, go ahead, man. What you think about these Nets? I don't so know. Far? I'm, I don't want to sound like a Harden hater, but <laughs> – I, I, when I first heard about the trade and I first heard about Harden coming, I said, unless Harden goes to OKC Harden or first couple years Houston Harden, mm. it's not going to really work. Because the thing is, is offensively, even I think they're still going to have certain issues offensively because okay. they haven't been tested yet to see who wants to sacrifice in close games, in close battles. Mm. You know what I'm mm. saying? Taking shots. You know what I'm saying? I feel like it should definitely be Harden. I think Harden is one of the most is a very limited superstar. You know, it's either a step back three, which I don't care how many times he hit when possessions is limited. That's a, not a good shot. Or I agree. I agree. Or he's trying to go to the hole and flop. And through the last six, seven postseasons, we realized that don't go nowhere. Ask so Luca how well that worked. Exactly. Right. So <laughs> as far as and all as far as an offensive package, as far as against good defensive teams and in playoffs. I feel like Harden's package is the most limited where, like uh, like King said, assisting, you know, getting the ball going. But then he also has to move without the ball. He just can't stand there and just watch everything else just move. But particularly with defense, always when it comes to defense with me, it's always just working hard and communicating. It's the NBA. Mm-hmm. These players get paid. Like a KD get paid $50 million to make a shot on defense. Like he ain't getting paid $50 million if he can't score the ball on a person <laughs> with a hand in his face. You know what I'm saying? So locking down, I don't, I don't see that happening. But you can make a team take tough shots. You can make a team right. make that extra pass a couple of times, get deep into the shot right. clock. But that's the one thing I don't see with the Nets is, 
they'll probably do a couple passes, but soon that, that third pass, they can get to the basket. And without Allen, without any, like DeAndre Jordan, he's solid, but is he going to put in enough minutes at his age to really – I don't even think he's solid anymore. He's cooked, yeah. bro. I don't even think he's, <laughs> he's like, real talk. He's not, he's not even solid anymore. He's, he's, he's washed, cooked, bro. bro. Like, at a point, it was like him and Dwight as the biggest point forces, point paint forces in the NBA, as far as protecting the paint, he is nowhere near that. Like, I, I have no idea why – Hey, I don't have a, why I do I do know why it's politics. Why he was even starting over Jared Allen to to begin with, and then secondly, oh why, yeah, I definitely didn't like that. Yeah, while he still he got that four year forty million extension after the film he put out, it's just it's a lot of politics. I, I don't know. Like, it's hard for me to look like this is hard for me. You got Kyrie, James Harden, and KD on the same team, for, but I'm looking at it like it's a couple teams in the East was like, I don't know if they will win a series again. Like a game is probably a series. Like we're game to game. You have to adjust and have to defend this team over and over. Like Indiana could beat them up inside over a six, seven game series. So bonus yeah. will eat them you up. You can say Philadelphia right. could beat them up over a six, six, seven game series. Right. So it's like, it's tough. Like do you trust Kyrie and James Harden to defend Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum over a seven game? Like it's like, it's like stuff like that. Like, on paper, like you should see those three and think, okay, NBA Finals at least. But the rest of the team around him is just, and on top of that, the, you have Joe Harris on the floor with him, who's also not a great defender. So, but he provides space. And so it's like, where I watched Nets games recently, it's like they go four and five minutes where there's no stops gotten at all, and they yeah. just outscoring people. Like you can't win playoff games like that. And that's my concern about the Nets going for like. I would love to see the Nets play the Lakers in the finals if they, if it, if it came to that. I wish they would. Yeah, but I'm saying, man, if that if they can't go five minutes without getting stops, it's going to be rough in the playoffs when they get there. And I think with this, I guess, this new era NBA, it's like, oh, they can put up points. And it's like, I get it. Like, the Warriors were like, they can score, but also they can make timely stops. You ain't going to stop a, a good team consecutively, but when it's like last four or five minutes of the second quarter, four or five minutes of quarters, you string stops, you get that little 8 0 run, 10 0 run, that momentum yeah. going. Can they do that? And I just don't think they can, especially when you. You ten, you twelve years in the league, and you've been playing a certain way to really the honker down, get right defensive positioning, communicate, rotate. You can't, and they know off season. You can't just do that. It's not. It's 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 pretty damn impossible to communicate soundly on defense like that. Yeah, you can roll the ball and score, but the other team can score too. And like you said, if they got Embiid down there, he, that's. <laughs> You, it's, that's foul trouble. Like, you, I guess it's, it's 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 barbecue chicken, like Shaq would say. Like, yeah, I remember they had they had, they had Jeff Green playing center minutes. So that's not going to work. Not gonna, man, that's, I'm, I'm, that's not going to work in playoffs. Unless somebody, one of my mutuals was saying, man, he thinks Harden is broken as a basketball player. Like, hmm. this dude doesn't take any mid range shots. Like, he thinks like his Houston years like just broke him. Like, he he just he thinks that Harden can't play ba- like regular basketball. Like, he legitimately told me, he said, I don't think Harden can play regular basketball. Like, if you look at his play style, if he's not taking all those three step backs, if he's not dribble, dribble, dribble to go to the line, like, like look at the way he plays. Like, he can't move off ball on defense. He doesn't really communicate. Like, he's too – like, the only time he plays defense is he's in the post. Like, outside of that, he's not really trying to defend that much. Like, man, it's tough. Like, Harden has so many bad habits – there's just no way he's going to clean that up without an offseason. Like, right, my is, question my question for you, I originally, this is why all the stuff you guys brought up is why I said I, I wouldn't pick the Nets until next year where the GM gets a chance to kind of shore these holes up around those three guys. It's going to be tough this year with like a short 
short and offseason limited practice. The trades aren't there to be had, no free agency. So that's why I said next year is probably where I would look at the Nets as a as a true yeah. like, contender. Uh, how do you guys feel about Steve Nash have, and Dan Tony, two guys who are notoriously not defensive guys? How do you feel about them and, and your faith in them to be able to handle and manage this Nets team going forward this season? <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, man. I don't get this jab. I don't get the hoopla. I don't get this with this Dan with Dan Tony. I'm not saying he can't. Let me make sure I'm clear. When I'm making stuff, I'm not saying these people don't know basketball. Dan Tony is a part of basketball whiz, no. But it's clear when these players, when their goal is a championship, and they watch, they've been playing and watching this game what since six, seven years old, and they've watched how teams win championships. You know what I'm saying? You can win in a different jersey. You can win in a different stadium. But as far as schematic, I mean, schematic uh, schemes go and style of play goes, there are certain styles and plays that get you into finals. They get you to compete for a championship. D'Antoni just doesn't do it. And, like, I don't trust – and Steve Nash's first year, I don't I don't have much to say. But if I'm going to go off who he was played by and where he got his MVPs from, if it's D'Antoni, <laughs> I'm like – you, it's just not gonna work, and so and then and this is where I feel like if KD was a big voice, because I, I, I heard KD was a big voice for Steve Nash. This is why I need to hear his voice as far as like really, really being a leader and letting these players know the ways to win a championship. Because mm. I like when he joined the Warriors, I was real skeptical. I'm like, how are you gonna do it? But I'm watching this man like it was flawless. The man can do everything offensively and still get his and make a team still be good, be at their peak, and but better. So, honestly, I just find it tough if they're trying to score 140 points every time. It's not going to happen. And it's just until somebody just decides to say, all right, let's just try to play defense at least five (laughs) minutes each quarter, at least. Yeah, I mean, NBA was never known for having good defensive teams. So, you know, he doesn't have a good defensive roster. And uh, Nash is a first-year head coach. It's just not. It's just. Not, it's just a bad mix. Um, when you know, like I said, uh, my mutual said James Harden played broken style of basketball in Houston. It's like he can't play normal basketball. Guess who was his coach? <laughs> okay, then. You know what I'm saying so. It's like it's some pro. It's some problems there. Um, you know, I, I. I think. I think we you know when they get a full offseason to work together. And it can fix some of these bad habits. You know, these are talented guys. James Harden is an extremely talented generational scorer. Kyrie's extremely talented scorer. Katie's extremely talented scorer. If they can put guys around them and they can get these guys to buy in, uh, I think they'll be great. But they can't do it this year. I- I'm sorry. I don't see it. Um, I just don't see it happening. I mean, I was told by some folks plugged into the Nets camp that also Vaughn is running some type of complicated defense. Look, these guys can play regular defense. So if he's running in this complicated scheme – it's definitely showing up, but they don't know what they're doing. So it's not looking good. I just want to say this real quick. It baffles me that these – I don't know I don't know if it's the training or something like that, but players are really coming up in this league and not even caring to want to stop somebody. Like it's just <laughs> – like you learn the shell drill at like 9, 10 years old, this simple shell drill. Now how you how the coach wants to like force doubles, force players, that's, that's different, but cert, like right. just help. Hand in the lane, you know what I'm saying? Talking, community, just keeping your man in front of you for at least at least a couple, at least five seconds in the shot clock. You know what I'm saying? Like that should just come in your heart and like, bro, I don't want you to score this ball. 
that was that's a good point you brought up. We actually discussed this like it was a few episodes ago. Actually, we're talking about how many of these guys have right. actually been put in a position where they forced to do that, or I'm gonna pull you off the court. Mm-hmm. You think about the a the way AAU is these days. So like I understand what you're saying, which is 100 percent correct. But I'm saying how many coaches are gonna sit down these guys who are five star McDonald All American and say I'm gonna sit you down if you don't play no defense, right? That's true. So that's like that, that's a good point. But I'm saying we discussed that. Few, that that's a great point though. Um, NBA, the NBA will humble you though. If you mm-hmm. don't defend, you won't win eventually. That's 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 just how it is. The great teams, you look at the teams now that are uh, right now that are ten and four, eleven and four, twelve and four. Lakers, Clippers, Jazz, those teams are all plus teams defensively. So seventy six is right. So those teams that's winning. If you want to win, eventually you will have to defend in this league. So that, that's 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 a good point you brought up. Moving on to a team that we haven't discussed much on this show this season, but as recently are showing themselves to be a factor. Utah Jazz have won eight in a row. Donovan Mitchell averaging 50, 40, 90, 28 points per game in this stretch. Absolutely going crazy. Um, King, I remember this is one of the teams that we put we penciled into the playoffs because of their continuity. They have one of all the teams in the league. Right. They had some of the, the lowest turnover. And I remember you made a great point talking about how they could be a sneaky team because in the playoffs, they had that 3-1 lead over the Nuggets, and they were playing without Bogue. Yeah. That's that's seventeen, eighteen points in the lineup. So, uh, how are you feeling about the Jazz right now, going with the, with this hot stretch, and how sustainable do you think it is, and how much of a factor do you think they could be in the West? I, I think I think for them it all comes down to Mike Conley. Um, I think you know Mike Conley had a very tumultuous uh, tumultuous year last year, and it kind of uh, made them inconsistent last year. But so far, Mike Conley's been balling for most of the season, and it's showing up in their record. You know, they're one of the top teams in the NBA. Uh, you know, Bogdan is going to be consistent. Uh, Mitchell just keeps getting better every year. Rudy Gobert is going to be an anchor, at least in the rim protection. You know, he gets cooked in drop coverage, but, I mean, he's still going to protect the rim. Uh, you have, uh, you know, Ingles is always going to bring all-around play. Royce O'Neal is a very good wing defender, tough wing defender to have favors. He's, he's shooting the hell out the ball this year. He just, his jump shot is clean. He's right. shooting okay. the ball this and, year. and if he's getting better in the shot, that's going to be a great 3 and D guy. And then you have Clarkson off the bench, who's that great instant offense. So to me, it's Mike Conley. If Mike Conley is that, you know, that point guard who's going to slow, slow it down, get them a good look, you know, because, you know, that was one of the problems with the Jazz in the playoffs. It was so much Mitchell iso ball, Mitchell get the ball, run, pick a roll. Yep, yep. It got predictable. But if Mike Conley is there and he's able to run some real offense, he's able to get some points, he's able to set guys up, now they become a lot more dynamic and a lot more uh, unpredictable offensively. So that's going to – it's going to be on Mike Conley to see how far they can go. Go ahead, HB. No, I totally agree. I felt like when they got Mike Conley last year, I thought that's where I was going to see Donovan progress to where he's getting better shots, but he's able to pick his spots on the court better. You know what I'm saying? Like, he don't have to bring the ball up, do a high pick and roll, and come down four, 35 feet to try to score a basket every time. You know what I'm saying? Conley can yeah. control the pace. You know what I'm saying? He can get people in spots. You can get Mitchell coming off picks because he, he's a good, he, he can, he's definitely good moving off the ball. He's a good pull up shooter. He can, he can spot up and shoot. He can come off picks and shoot. Like, he has all those tools, but, like like he said, when it's like everything has to go through him to set up the the the, the offense and get everybody else going, that takes away it takes one a lot of energy and it takes away other aspects of his game that can be efficient for them in the playoffs. Um, I definitely didn't know they was on an eight game winning streak. I think I seen that like today or something like that. <laughs> my thing besides the common thing, my thing has always been Gobert, and it's 
And the reason why, and I get it, this ain't a big man league, but I always feel like, how can you not, when people, like, everything's a switch nowadays. They switch every, like, if, if they set a pick on a concession stand person to face, they going to switch from that person. You know what I'm saying? And I literally would see guards on this man. He wouldn't, like, I don't even, this is just a side note, dude, I don't even see no bigs know how to position themselves on the block anymore. They I'm really talking about not. I'm seeing some of the worst block position. I'm talking, they don't know how to just like move like none of that. But like when I see a lot of teams switch smalls on Gobert, and um, especially against a team like the Lakers or the Clippers who have bigs that can switch on Mitchell. And I'm not saying Mitchell can't take these players, but like Gobert is what two hundred million dollars. I can't throw that ball in him on a on a six two guy, and he can't just give me a nice little a couple of buckets under the paint like that, like stuff like that. Well, I find is what you say. Well, I was saying this. No, I was saying that is. Uh, we were talking about this before we started recording. That that, that was that's the influence of analytics, because technically a post up is not an efficient play. It's terrible. So, so they don't even teach it. That's 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 where that's the foundation of where that that line thinking comes. From. I'm just letting you know. I disagree with it because it's it's mismatch based. But I'm just saying that's where that line thinking. A post up is not a technically not an efficient play based on analytics. But I under, I agree with you 100. percent But I'm not saying you run the offense to him. He ain't that cold down there. I get it. But <laughs> if I'm switching guards on him, you true, can't true, your, true. your size alone, once I see that guard switch, I'm putting that body down. I'm getting the ball. Make hit a couple of buckets. Now they're gonna they gotta decide next time. They bring the double, they're gonna double off Mitchell. If it's ball side with Mitchell, they're gonna double no. Then you going you can eat at least a couple of baskets. You know what I'm saying? What they gonna bring it from the weak side? You got Ingles on the weak side, you got O'Neal. It's just it's just another dynamic of scoring that is just easier. Also it puts teams in foul trouble. Like he's that like he's you ain't when a guard on a big, after a couple of times, you're going to get a couple of chief fouls, especially how they call it in the league. But also, it's a confident builder. You know what I'm saying? It's mm. also it gets the team going. It's another way of energy of building up the team, chemistry and stuff like that. Just relying on a bunch of jump shots all the time and uh, um, or just putting it up there and hoping he can get a rebound. I just feel like that's just that's just, a, that's just unnecessary. You know what I'm saying? That's not going to win you. That's not going to get you to compete for titles. If I can just always switch and put a guard on your big man who's a whole foot taller than me, and I ain't never got to worry about him. Like, I don't have to – if I play in the league, I can stick Gobert. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I don't even have to worry about that, man. I yeah, just feel like Gobert, as far as in the p- playoffs, what was that? I was going to say Gobert, I think they they use him as basically a, a vertical role guy. Like, just a finisher. That's that's how they use him. Like, they're going to throw lobs to him. That's what they get. Lobs and putbacks is the majority of his offense. And that was funny because that was actually the issue when he was renegotiating his contract. He wanted more of an influence on the offense. He wanted more touches, so that was, Bro, he don't that got was, a drop step. He don't got a right left shoulder hook yeah, or nothing crazy. like that. You don't. I, I don't get how you you don't practice that for at least a couple hours. <laughs> Just get at least six to eight points from that. Yeah, but I, I, I'm 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 my line of thinking is right here with Kings. I think Mike Conley is taking such a such a load off of uh, Donovan Mitchell. Mitchell's focusing on he's playing off ball, which he's better at. First of all, playing off the ball. He's, he's a damn good player off the ball, coming off screens, cutting. Oh yeah. Top of that, he's a top shelf pick and roll player, decision maker. His passing has come such a long way the last couple of years. So I'm with you. I think they can definitely. I think Kings, you're big on Phoenix still for that third spot, right? Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm big on Phoenix. I mean, if you look at like how Aiden was bodying up Jokic on defense, I mean, Aiden looks like he's coming into his own. Uh, I think with Phoenix, they're just trying to get accustomed to sharing the ball. Also, CP3 is not going to take the regular season serious, so I, I can't even judge CP3. He's not. Yeah, I, I was like, he's he's kind of coasting right now. I'm saying, but I think yeah, Utah's okay. definitely going to be in that in that mix for that. Yeah, they, they spot. Are. Right, right now, if you yeah. could look, 
the two LA teams are kind of starting to separate themselves with, with how they with how they're starting to put their foot on the gas, particularly the Lakers. Lakers games haven't even been close lately. And then um the Clippers are playing extremely well. But after that I would say the Jazz yeah, Jazz starting to are starting to show themselves that they, they could be a factor. And I yeah. think I think for the Lakers it won't matter just because how they're wired. I think the Clippers are really going to make a push for that first seed to try to avoid playing the Jazz in the second round. Like I could see I some some matchup problems for them potentially. Yeah, I think they're going to try and avoid like teams like the Jazz Suns and the and the Mavs. They're going to try and avoid at all costs. So um, I I think I can definitely see that. Yeah, I got Jazz. Jazz right now look like the solid three. Uh, you you know Suns Mavs. Nuggets are are battling for that four five six. I mean, I know the Blazers are there too. But I just don't trust the Blazers defensively. Man, CJ CJ's out indefinitely. That's going to be. We'll see how CJ's they respond. Out. And Nurk and Nurk and Nurk. So I, I, right now, I think for four or five and six, I got you know some order. You got the Nuggets, Mavs, and the um, and the Suns. I think that's going to be the four five six. You know, which kind of like I expected. Remember, I told I said we were the, we what were that four five. Four or five Mavs Suns. So that's kind of about where I expected. So it looks like Utah. I think Utah will probably end up finishing the top three. I think the top three will stay the top three uh, at the end of the year. It's like I think those are the top three teams in the Western Conference. I can definitely see them as the top three. I think I think I like honestly. I've been watching Phoenix, and I really like I like Phoenix. I really like how Chris Paul. I think uh, it's almost like the Conley effect with Booker. I mean, not Booker mm-hmm. uh, with Mitchell. It's the same thing with Booker. I'm noticing like his his shot selection and where he's picking his spots to score is so much yes. easier, much more efficient. Uh, my thing with only thing my thing with the Suns and also uh, uh Mikael Bridges and that uh Cameron Johnson, pretty they've been they've been hooping and like if they can bring that to the playoffs, that's that's gonna really make the Suns deadly, especially Mikael Bridges three point shooting and he's pretty uh he's pretty solid on the wing on defense with his size. My thing only thing with the Suns is Aiden and his activity as far as not getting in foul trouble yeah, and especially yes yes yes. yes. That's and crazy. especially showing himself on on roles and like and, and and coming off like pit screens and stuff like that. Like I don't I for maybe the last three games I've seen, I don't he doesn't show himself strong enough or show long enough like to get the ball. Because like I was watching him against Jokers and especially, uh, I think his 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 mobility is I don't know if it's just him but his mobility isn't as quick but he's kind of it seems like he knows how to play like like that LeBron defense he used to LeBron used to play where. He will bait you to go to the hole, so he can just send your send your send your shot. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Aiden plays like he he keeps his hands up, but he like plays off like where he can like try to block his shot. But like offensively, if Aiden makes himself a little more active, wanting to get that ball in the post, also working him at that elbow, he has a nice shot that I think that if he can use, he got that, good touch. He got good touch. He has a nice yeah. touch at that elbow area that um he can use. That is just another dynamic with the Suns, especially when. The only bigs he would have to worry about is Jokic and AD. And yes. Jokic, he can if 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 use if he like gives that confidence, I think he can take Jokic from that elbow area out and not have to try to bang with him all the time. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Like, I, yeah, I saw a stat. Uh, I, I saw a crazy stat that when uh, Aiden was guarding Jokic, Jokic went 14 of like 39. Did he make it? And I was noticing. And Jokic oh, already has bad. a like Jokic has a floater shot, but I'm noticing Aiden will make him take it almost a little high, where a lot of his shots yeah. are short on the rim and stuff like yeah. that. Like Aiden's uh Aiden's um activity and involvement offensively, I think would dictate how far they can go. Because if they can you like he's getting a lot of points just off like a lot of dives and rebounding, but right. just if they can get him, especially like with the second unit, 
getting him like getting buckets or so like that where he's in it in in like his input in the offense is more seen I think it can definitely help out especially Booker and Paul up top because he's a pretty he's like he, to me he's like a, he's more he's like a, 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 a athletic human like the way he moves and stuff like mm-hmm. that the way he moves mm-hmm. on the floor he gives me like mm-hmm. Patrick human vibes but like as far as wanting that ball and wanting to be a part of the offense that's the only thing I see I see I, that's the only thing I see lacking from him to make the Suns like really compete with the Jazz. Mm, that's good. And that that point you brought up about um Booker being having an effect uh, with Chris Paul and him, uh Kings actually remember you and Mar were talking about talking about that on a timeline where Booker's yeah. numbers might be down, but his efficiency and his defensive activity is way up. So mm-hmm. he's actually having a better season despite just only averaging maybe twenty one, twenty two a game, but he's efficient and he's actually defending. So He's playing, like you said, playing winning basketball is not easy. I was like, it's not. <laughs> and I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even look at his point decrease that bad this season because honestly, it's just him learning where he can get yep. where yep. with his efficiency for next season it can increase. Where then now he's learning where he can get to the free throw line right. and things like that to get his point total back up. Right. And speaking of <laughs> moving on real quick, that was good, guys. Speaking on Donovan Mitchell uh, on TNT the other night, mm. Mitchell. Had 36 points, went off. They blew out the Pelicans on national TV. Uh, Shaq got really weird uh, in a post-game interview. It said, uh, he told, pretty much told Donovan, I don't think you can get to that next level as a player. Yeah. He said it was, I, he said it was motivation, but Mitchell's response was just basically like, all right, I've been hearing that all my life. Um, it sparked a, a deeper conversation because it's not the first time inside the NBA has done it or a whole bunch of other athletes. Uh, how do you guys feel about these these um, these kind of not old head or veterans who have retired and they still cover the game? A lot of them do throw a lot of shade to younger players. Uh, we can start here with you, Kings. How, how do you feel about it? It makes me feel uh, some type of way because it's not really moving the game forward. It's not good for the growth of the game anyway. If you don't like the way the game is, why are you covering it? So, right. uh how did you feel about the Shaq situation and how some of these players in general act towards these younger guys? Well, I mean, I won't lie. I think I, 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 the Shaq, what Shaq said and how it came across, uh, it wasn't as bad as I originally thought from what uh-huh. people were saying. Like, you know, I, I listened to it. I was like, yeah, I see what Shaq was trying to do because he said, you know, I love your game, Donovan, but I don't think you can do this. And then Donovan responded and he said, oh, I, I, well, everybody's been down me. I'm going to just keep doing what I need to do. And then Shaq was like, that's what I wanted to hear. I love your game. So it's like, it just came off really bad. It was just bad execution. But, I mean, to the larger point, because Shaq does do a lot of hating, um, I think a lot of it, like, is um, is kind of jealousy, too. Not just – not I wouldn't even say just from the uh, the production standpoint of how some guys make might catch them or some guys might be in ben- more beneficial on-court situations, but also – I think it also can be some financial situations too. But the money's way bigger. A lot of NBA players are making way more money than any of these guys ever saw before. And I, like you know, like the Rudy Gobert situation, for example, that he going one. Too far I, with that. He going too far with that. Go ahead. That, yeah, that one I think is what really showed that a lot of these dudes are mad at the contracts these dudes are getting. <laughs> Like they seen big money, and a lot of these dudes like these dudes are trash. Like they're, in their head, they're like these guys are trash, and they're getting paid like they're stars. So they just can't help but just hate when they go on, on the screen. But it's like that's not talking about the product. That's right. not talking about the scheme. That's not educating the fans on what we're seeing out there. What we're, the matchups, the X's and O's, the the mental battles. 
Like, we're not getting that. We're just getting a whole bunch of narrative stuff, a whole bunch of slander. It's like Twitter on, it's like Twitter down there on, on some of these shows. Like, come on, man. I'm, I'm on my timeline slander. I don't need to see slander from inside the NBA. Like, I'm already doing it on the timeline. Yeah, go ahead, HB. Yeah, no, when I, uh, I honestly just know how Shaq is. And a lot of time, and I didn't really, I didn't think it was that bad because, like he said, it came from like Shaq was like challenging him. It was more like a challenge to him. And, like, yeah. I respect your game. I don't think yeah. you can get there. Because, like Shaq say, when he was in the league, they challenged him. And I totally get it. Like, the the the, the, the top players in the league at those times, they was like, well, analysts, they were like, oh, okay, well, you ain't – you every time – what do you, I think it was one of the same. He said, every time you make to the playoffs, you get swept. You know what I'm saying? It's like, <laughs> I don't think you can – you know what I'm saying? And But he comes from a military background and stuff like that. And the way his dad was like, okay. True, true, true. So what did you do? You know what I'm saying? And so I understand where Shaq is coming from. It's just this day and age, it's such a buddy-buddy. It's such, you know. That's fair. That's fair. It's, 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 you're going to make it happen, you know? And it's I ain't got no problem with it. I mean, I'm a little bit more on the Shaq side just with how he went with Donovan Mitchell because I know he wasn't coming from hate. It was just right. like I don't think he is that he got A, B. I don't think he got C and D yet to make it. But he can do it, and I'll shut, I'll shut the fuck up. You know what I'm saying? Not, uh, and stuff like that. So, but like with the Gobert one, I just found this funny. You know what I'm saying? I kind of understand where he's coming from, but also it's what twenty years later, inflation, right. <laughs> TV deals, and stuff like he got a hundred million. They was probably looking when Shaq got his hundred million dollar contract. I was baffled too. I'm in. Wait, he got a hundred million? MJ? Well, how much is my? I'm I'm from Chicago. I'm he got what he? I think what was it? Ninety five, ninety six. He got the he contract. Hundred twenty Lakers. Four years, hundred twenty from the Lakers. I'm like, wait, what's my? And Mike was only making this was I think this was right before Mike started making thirty million for a yeah, year. Mike was making like seven. You know what I'm saying? So it was like, so he has to understand that aspect where it's like, but I also understand he's like, but I'm putting up 30 and 12. Colbert is putting up 8 and 8, 8 and 12, and he's getting, you get what I'm saying? So it's like, I do I do agree with as far as certain, like, especially Chuck, though. Chuck really be saying some, like, wild yeah, yeah. stuff, but <laughs> he, he, got, he got the IQ of dust a lot of times. So, but, um. I do think a lot of these just uh, uh, certain older players, especially those that won championships and competed at the high level and was and competed deep in playoffs, they're just trying to get the best out of these players. You know what I'm saying? And they do come off a little odd and a little bad. It's just they trying to. It's just what what happened to them. But then it's like you, like I said beginning, you got to understand some of these players ain't like that. They don't want to hear like, oh, I don't think you can do this. Can you show me? It's like, well, I've showed you this already. And some of them don't not going to react that at react with the demeanor that yes i gotta show you like like i will say one person i will say that has really taken heed to is joel and b like he really when he hears Shaq and, Bar- and barkley like man you gotta his game and when he does it he realizes like damn and it's like i hear and he's like he and he appreciates appreciates it and he puts it to work but certain okay, places yeah. ain't gonna take it and b definitely reads the tweets and listen to the nails you can tell <laughs> you can tell yeah. but he, hey he for sure gotta burn b for sure gotta burn <laughs> <laughs> but when he listening what they saying, he go out there and he perform. He giving you forty and forty and nineteen. I'm like, yeah, I, I just think I, I agree. With, uh, you guys made some definitely made some good points. I just think it's a balance because I see guys definitely. like you know just for just for a couple of examples, like Steph just passed Reggie Miller in threes, and Reggie didn't do the Reggie didn't come out and say, well, they take so many more these days. You know, Reggie put him a little tribute video up there, showed him love, said keep keep moving forward. Uh, Allen Iverson shows loves everybody any chance he mm-hmm. gets in the NBA. It's just I think I get what y'all saying, but it's a certain way how to grow the game forward. Mm-hmm. Like if you turn on inside the like every like 
every time Utah's on, Shaq make the same joke. It's like, hey, kids, get 11 points. You can get 200 million. Kids, 11 points. You get two. Like, at a certain point, like, we get it, but, like, at a certain point, you drag like you dragging you dragging that dude down. Like, yeah. all right, show us how he should show us how he should get more than eleven points. Show us like educate the viewer. You know what I'm saying? Like you you were the greatest big man ever. Do what Kobe did. Throw a camp for for the big man to teach him footwork. You know what I'm saying? Remember Kobe had that elite camp. He invited all the elite wings and guards in the league and told them to come work out. So it's like do something like that and, and grow the game forward. Don't just be on there knocking a man like weekly every time you yeah. see him on. And I'm with you with Charles Barkley. Barkley just – you heard what Kenny Kenny said. It, Kenny said it himself last week. He said, yeah, we watching the games, but we not watching the games. I'm like, what does that even mean? You know what I'm saying? It's like they admit they're not even watching the game like that, like they used to do. So it, it is what it is, man. It's just like when you have a platform like that, you just got to be a little more – like it's one thing to be us on, with a, on a Twitter timeline, and it's yeah. one thing to be on TV with millions watching you of casual fans trying to learn and, and grow the game. So – that's just why I am with, but you guys made some great points about, you know, just the financial thing and just trying to motivate guys. I see what you guys are saying. Yeah, no, like I said, like, again, and I think, like, Barkley's an anomaly. He's just, <laughs> he's going to say what he's going to say. He going to, you know what I'm saying? And, and I have no problem with it, you know what I'm saying? And also, and my only thing I will say with Barkley, when people come at him, he takes it. That's you true. know what I'm that, saying? Like that's he fair. don't dish out what he can't take. You know what I'm saying? So what he dish out, he 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 don't take. He don't sit. He don't be like, oh, this and that. He he takes what he can dish out and stuff like that. But like you say, it definitely should be a balance. And then it's just don't don't don't. You can't be mad at the game. Like I don't like a lot of the game, but I understand. Hey, this is where the game is going. This is how the game is played. You know what I'm saying? Respects to these players and what they're doing and what they're able to accomplish. But and, and like I'm not gonna just. There's no need to like continuously like drag players like that yeah. like especially go burst like we all know we like Jack, we all know this motherfucker really don't need 200 but nigga got 200 million keep going right so keeping on with this kind of tied in how these young players and then these ogs expecting more of these young players um we had an interesting discussion uh before this recording about these young teams and and trying to build we got a couple teams who are showing the foundation of something and a couple teams that are struggling, uh, namely the teams that I think are, are young teams, I think are showing that they have a foundation of some uh, big, the Knicks and the Cavs playing extremely well, particularly defensively. Uh, you got to give credit to the, to the coaches there. It's so hard to get young teams to play defense in the NBA. Both those teams are up there. Uh, on the flip side, we got two teams kind of lost one. Uh, actually it's me and Kings are kind of our secondary teams. Uh, oh, the the T Wolves are kind of struggling to find their way, and then uh, the Pelicans, uh, I think, lost, has lost eight of nine. They lost to the T Wolves. Cat and D'Lo didn't even play last game, so I just wanted to. We actually touched on this. But I wanted to go a little deeper. Um, how do you guys feel about culture in the NBA? It's a little different with money and politics and contracts involved, but how do you guys feel about culture in young teams? and trying to build that in the NBA. What does it take for that to happen to, to you guys? So, Kings, go ahead, and MP, you can jump in after. Yeah, um, I'll go ahead and contrast uh, two teams, the Cavs and my, my team, when my team, the T-Wolves. Uh, you know, the T-Wolves, uh, I think, was a Trev who's still on the timeline. Like, he doesn't believe there's basketball people in the front office. Mm. Um, and, I, and I can see that because, you know, the way that they've constructed this team – I don't know why they gave Malik, uh, they gave Beasley all that money. I mean, Beasley's like a, like one of our primary scoring options. I, like, why? Why is Beasley a primary scoring option over Ant Edwards? You know, why are we giving uh, 
Ant-Man better looks with Rubio? Why are we letting just D'Lo just do whatever he wants offensively? Like, why does our offense not have any structure, any flow? Uh, we pretty much, um, you know, we're not really showing that we can build a team around Cap because Cap's not really a good defender, so we should be building defense around him. We're not really showing that we can do that. Um, it's just no real direction with the T-Wolves. And, you know, it just looks like they're just – this looks like they're just like like going through the motions with that team when it comes to day to day basketball operations. Like, whereas <laughs> you just look at the Cavaliers, the Cavaliers have a nice identity. They're gonna play defense. They're gonna play team ball offensively. Get multiple guys involved. Uh, one of the good things I saw with the Cavs against the Nets, you know, when Seti Osman had it going, when uh, uh, Chetty was getting it going and he was scoring, he didn't start ball hogging. You know, he saw that Colin had a better looks at the end of games, and he deferred to Colin. Like, it was a point where Chetty had, like, 29 points or something. He was the leading scorer, but he deferred to Chetty because um, he deferred to Colin because he felt like Colin was going to get a better mismatch, and, you know, Colin took him home. So it's like the Cavs just have more of a team-oriented style play. They trust each other. They have a culture where they understand that we're going to we're gonna have segments where we play through the bigs, you know, drumming play to, through Nance, we play through Allen. Then we're going to have segments where we use uh, Osman, where we use Sexton, where we use Darius. So they, they have segments along in the game where they're going to get certain looks based on mismatches and based off how the offense is flowing. So it's just way more structure, way more, uh, way, uh, way better direction with Cleveland. And, like, my team, the T-Wolves, man, they just don't have any direction. So when you, when you see that, you don't have an identity, you have no direction, you're trash. When you have an identity, you have a direction, and you're building your young guys, you compete every night. So. Yeah, structure, identity, that's pretty much the foundation of organization. Go ahead, MP, before I hop in. Uh, one thing I think, uh, <clears throat> I think I've seen this, uh, it's I always believe it does start up top, but then once up top decides to decide, uh, pick their franchise player and give them that big money, then it's now, I believe, because a lot of these owners don't really know basketball that much. In my opinion, it's but money for them. Yeah, I, I agree. It's money that. for them. <laughs> so now it's general managers and your franchise player. It's time for them to, you know, get the team going. You know what I'm saying? Like particularly with the T Wolves, I think, I think Cat Cat is a great talent, but as a franchise player, I just don't think he's the franchise player for a finals. Maybe. I mean, I can't even say playoff run because they ain't made the playoffs, but it's like yeah, they one put year this, with Jimmy. One year with Jimmy. One year with Jimmy. But, but we, what, we know who Jimmy is, though. You know what I'm saying? So, and so, um, and so it's like, it's like what Cat, what is it that Cat wants? It's like he wants to win, but what is it that Cat wants as far as with his game to win and then the personnel? He wants D'Lo. He wanted D'Angelo Russell, but it's like, are they a good match for the team chemistry-wise? You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. so... And then it's like these, and then it's like a lot of these owners I think have to coddle to a lot of these young these younger yes. superstars. Yes. yes. And so it's like that. I can't lose them. I can't so it's like but they're not those players or they haven't got to be those players yet where they're like centerpieces to compete year in and year out. And then another right. thing I think is they're coming in so young and they're coming in at nineteen and twenty. Not only that now not only now they have to learn the NBA, they gotta learn life now. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Not not saying that you come out of college at like 21 or 22, you know, like, but 
you have a structure already set from college. Like if you play college ball, it's it's a structure that you got to be here for study, here for practice. Here, you know what I'm saying? When you come from AAU in high school, it's like a one year at college where you only really got to be there for a semester. You don't understand nothing. So now you don't understand a structure of playing basketball. So these players come in at such a young age, you don't really get them at a good peak until like four or five years in. You know right. what I'm saying? So um, I just think a lot of yeah, I think a lot of it's just a lot of these players are so young, and it's a lot of these owners are like, I, and they they're forced to shell out money to very talented young players to keep them there, have viewers that want to watch them, and be able to keep the seats filled and give some hope of building a team around. Because it's like it's like it's amazing that like players like Cat and um, they just they don't make the playoffs, like don't even compete for the playoffs and stuff like that. And one thing like, and, but one of the teams like the Pelicans, I know that's your teammates, the Pelicans, that's just all bad GM work with that team. That's just bad GM work. You know what I'm saying? And another, Oh, well, and, uh, but what the one team I did want to get, get into and let you go make is the Knicks. What I really like about the Knicks is what it shows is that as much as these teams like to go to this, shoot the ball in less than five seconds, get it up and down. Thibodeau old school coach come in, and he's teaching them guys not only dis- not only defense but discipline. You know what I'm saying? Like they're not the best yep. offensive talent wise, but they 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 find they 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 work together well. You know what I'm saying? Man got got, this man right. got Julius Randle playing real basketball again. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> R.J. Baird is looking decent now. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Austin Rivers, but they but defensively they hunker down and they try to compete. Which then now. Once they know they can slow teams down, it's like, okay, we got a shot to play. You know what I'm saying? Keeps them engaged in the game. You know what I'm saying? When you don't get when you don't try to even stop a team from scoring, you just like, oh, and then your shot is off, then what did you got to go for? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I like I ain't making a shot. I ain't finna play no defense. But like, yeah, with the Knicks, I think coaching it, it, it shows that coaching is very, very important, especially playing defensive wise. And the Pelicans, that's just bad GM work. They just put too much they put the wrong talent around each other. Yeah, I just think, man, this I, I, I could go for a whole other hour on the Pelicans. I need to get me started. I just think in general, <laughs> in general, it's just um, you guys touched on all of it. It's the structure with the coaching and then continuity from from top down to front. What I will say is this: is talking to um, guys who coach and who worked in the league. They say it's tough when you have a bunch of young guys to get them on that same page because they're not playing to win right now. They're playing for a second contract. Mm-hmm. That's, just, that's just how it's just to stay livelihood. So, you know, me averaging twelve and us winning is not going to be the same as me averaging nineteen and and us losing. Like I'll take the nineteen right now because I want I want this extra twelve million on my deal. Yeah. So that mm. that is also a big factor. I think that's kind of what's going on with the with the Pelicans, the, the team I watch a lot. You got Lonzo in the contract year. You got Zion trying to prove he belongs, right? You got J.J. Reddick in the contract year. Eric Bledsoe in the contract year, right? They know the team is not winning, so what they out there for, right? It's like, I, 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 I got one more deal on me. I got something else on top of that. You got Stan Van Gundy doing some kind of outdated, running an outdated offense out scheme. And on top of that, you got a bunch of pieces that do not fit whatsoever, no shooting, no spacing. And I think it's just dragging the whole organization down. And, guys, do you can see they, don't, they, they have no joy playing the game. But there's no playing the game. I just don't understand how Stan Van Gundy in 2009 could run one in four hour offense in 2009, but in 2021 is 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 employing non shooters 
with Zion and Steven Adams. I just don't I, I don't understand what went wrong in his thinking. Like I he went to a finals with four out, one in. And I just don't understand what went wrong with his analysis. I mean, he was doing it right twelve years ago. And now he wants to do it wrong. I just don't get it. Yeah, we'll 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 dive into this a little deeper when we talk with a with a Pelicans guy, but I will say throw a little bit it's very unique to build around Zion Williamson. I think it's a little tougher than people give it credit for. Because um, essentially he's a center offensively with his skill set. Maybe kind of like a face up four from a wing spot. But the way the game is, you have to the five next to him has to be able to shoot. Like you can't put a non shooter next to him. That's why even when the Pelicans started out four and two, they were still like twenty eighth in offense because they're easy to guard. You if you keep two non shooters on the floor you are so easy to guard in, in today's NBA. Teams are just going to shrink the floor. Pick and rolls aren't going to be respected. When guys drive, the cold paint's going to be clogged and just and like that. Ugh. Yeah, you know, you the only way you can score is if you have an otherworldly playmaker like the Lakers do when they have Brown running the exactly. offense. They're playing exactly. two bigs, but I mean that's LeBron James. He's he going to make anything work. So they was top five in the offense anyway. But uh, you know they don't have a LeBron James on the Pelicans, so. Or if you got a, or if you got an Anthony Davis that can play right. in the post and right. draw a double team or punish players one on one down there, like that changes the whole. Like with the Pelicans, Adams don't have no post game. Zion has a maybe an eighth of a post game. He can jab quick or get a quick shoulder in your chest, but that ain't. There's only so many plays. Like they don't. Have, uh, um. I think with Stan Van Gundy, I don't know if he picked the players. They're just they don't they don't really mesh well for the two like you say the centerpiece of Zion and, and, and Ingram. You know what I'm saying? Adams Adams don't even play a, a dunker corner. You know what I'm saying? He, he just, just he stay at the, at the elbow. It's in the way. He just stands there. You know what I'm saying? Like it's just he's just there. And Bledsoe and Alonzo are not shooters. They can't shoot the ball. They gotta go in the hole. You know what I'm saying? Zion he's gonna always go to the hole. That man not gonna take a shot unless he's wide open in the parking lot you know what i'm saying like it's so it's like like with stan van gunning with that team i don't if he had if he made choices as far as personnel with them then that's on him but if he did it i don't know really what he he said he didn't to be fair before the season he said he didn't okay okay Okay. so then yeah then i don't know what he can do you know what i'm saying because like i'm watching i was watching i'm like bro these I'm like they really can't do anything. Like, and I, I like, like I, uh, I'll be watching Mapes defend Zoe, and I'm, a, I'm a Zoe fan. I like Zoe. I think Zoe is a very good. I think Zoe can be a starting guard for a, a title contending team, just the way he pushes the ball and yeah, the way he defends. You know what I'm saying? I do think he needs to be a little more aggressive on the on the fast break looking to score the ball, but he defends at an all-NBA level. He gets the ball out. His jump shot has improved if you give him a little spot, little spot three, two, three shots here and there, but he really can get an offense going. But he can't get when you got a bunch of people that everyone got to go to the hole except one player. Like, <laughs> he going to look like a bum out there. <laughs> right, right. Man, it's, it's crazy right now. We, we both looking bad. Kings, at least we got the Lakers, though. You feel me? That's that's four good games. That's four or five good basketball games we can watch per week. Shout out to your Bulls too, MP. Levine having a career year. No, Levine hooping. I I just I don't know. I don't want to take you from the next topic. I don't know if it's me, but I just think a lot of teams now just get a bunch of players that like are the same. Like there's really no like you don't really see unless they like just decide to just say, I'm just going to play defense, but everybody's like the same, same height. We all going to do the same thing and we just pick and choose who's hot for the day. Like, <laughs> well, a lot of that, a lot of that is a lot of teams want to be switchable. 
Yeah. That's that's where a lot of that comes from. But at the same time, it, it does get redundant sometimes. So it's a fine line you got to walk. But a lot of this, a lot of teams want to put because I I think right now the Clippers are doing that. A lot of times they're playing five wing size players and just switching everything because not that many posts. Uh, but against the Lakers and the Nuggets or the Jazz, that could bite you because they got a big that can that can finish. But, yeah, but I think the Clippers learned their lesson. At least they got two bigs in the stash ready to that's go. That's right. That's true. True. Zubac and Zubac. True. True. Yeah, they got two bigs ready to go. All right. All right. We end we end this on kind of a you know a somber note. Um, this week will be the um, almost a year anniversary when when the basketball world uh, lost Kobe Bryant uh, to the tragic uh, helicopter crash. Um, King's the reason why I do this podcast. I know you were more of a LeBron guy, but you do you do respect you respect greatness, and that's kind of why we click on this podcast. Same with you, MJ. I know MJ MJ is going to be your guy as a shot town guy, but I think all three of us in my conversation with you guys. We all have a respect for what Kobe brought to the game and, and what he mm-hmm. brought to the floor. So just going around, just, you know, before we sign off, give me y'all favorite Kobe moment and then kind of what the biggest thing that you enjoy from him in general. Go ahead. MP, you can start. Then we go with Kings. MP, go ahead. Uh, Man, honestly, I I guess I'm – I'm, honestly, I'm going to go with when him and Mike played in the All-Star game. Chi-town mm, right. <laughs> guy, yeah. You know, because like I'm, uh, and there's no disrespect. I mean, I'm Chicago. Mike Kobe came in. All I'm hearing is, "Oh, this the next Mike. This the next <laughs> this and that." Mike's still there. And I'm like, I'm young. Like you, you were. I'm like, I wasn't as bad, but I'm like LeBron fans now. I'm like, no, you, you don't. Who this guy is? You know what I'm saying? And he, uh, he ain't done nothing yet. He ain't nowhere on the Mike level. So I never. I was like, no, like, I, just because all of that hype they had on him, I'm like, no, I'm not no, no, we ain't ever messing with no Kobe. This is MJ around. He the best ever. You know what I'm saying? But over the years, I honestly never, I told you, I swear to God, you could have, I would have bet a million dollars after I seen him play against Utah when, and we had like four or five air balls that first playoff series and he was not getting burned. I never would have thought he would be recommended as one of the greatest players in this NBA. And so, and but I did on that ninety seven. I did get a look in that All Star game, and I seen how him and KG was flowing, and like how he was out there running. I'm like, this this guy might be special. You know what I'm saying? And but to see, like at the end of his career, that like five time champion, seventeen time All Star, number three, like that man really shut me the fuck up. Much respect, you know what I'm saying? But he really, he really showed what hard work and dedication can do for a player, like. He, like if you like if you watched when he came in the league, he was on the bench. He wouldn't get no no burn. Like it was first couple of years was rough, but the man went from that to in goat conversations. You know what I'm saying? So like I it's I ain't even gonna lie. I feel like this is kind of weird that we talking to Kobe. Right, like it's still surreal. Yeah, still bro, surreal. Like, you know what I'm saying? But no, like that '97 All Star game against him and Mike. It was like, damn, this motherfucker Mike. Man, who might go past up Mike, man? He might, <laughs> Mike might have some competition, man. Right. Go ahead, King. Yeah, for me, um, the best Kobe moment was uh, the series against the Nuggets, against Carmelo. Um, man, Carmelo and them boys, they was really battling. They was hooping. But Kobe just had this instinct and this will to not lose. Uh, he battled Melo to the end, both ends. It didn't matter who was hitting the shot. It didn't matter if Clayza hit a three or Jr. hit a three or Chauncey was hitting a three. Kobe answered him right back. You know, got a big stop on, on Melo here and there, hit more big shots, uh, did on the road, did it at home. And I was just like, yeah, 
you know, this is an all-time play. <laughs> you know what I mean? I just watched that. This is, a, this is an all-time play, man. Like, like, this is just, like, what can you do? He can do it all. And, uh, you know, just when you when he retired and when you hear him speak on just the X's and O's of basketball, on, on the skill uh, developments of certain players, how he challenged Giannis to win the MVP, and then Giannis got the MVP. Like, he just has a – he just showed he had a knack for basketball talent for understanding basketball talent, and uh, he had a cerebral approach to the game. And, uh, you know, it's just, you know, you don't make a lot of hoopers like that. You know what I mean? Somebody who, you know, he he hurt his Achilles basically because he only knows one way of playing, and that's playing hard. You know, one of the things that I hate about LeBron, but I understand it from a long-term perspective, LeBron will, will he will cat during games. <laughs> He will do in-game load management, but I get it because he's trying to preserve his body. But for Kobe, it was only one way of playing for him. And uh, that's one of the things I, res- I respect about He always gave his all to the game of basketball. And, uh, you know, it's, we'll, we'll miss him forever. That's all I can say when it comes to who. Yeah, man, just piggybacking off of what you guys said, just um, the attention to detail, man. Just watching the growth of a guy who was playing behind Eddie Jones and, and Nick Van Exel <laughs> and coming in the air the air balls and then turned himself into one of the deadliest clutch players ever. Just that whole development was crazy to watch, man. In LA on top of in, in a huge market on top of that. And then my favorite moment is just um that Phoenix Sun series. The, when everybody was talking about I think they was on T V talking about he can't score thirty anymore. It's the last championship year. And then game six in Phoenix he was pretty much playing horse to, to end the game against him when he, when he scored 37 and they ended up winning the championship against Boston in seven. They had to get that give back. Cause I remember 2008, I was so depressed. I didn't even wear green all that year, man. I ain't going to hold you. <laughs> That's probably the lowest, the lowest, the lowest I've been as a Laker man. fan was 04 versus Detroit. And in 2008, because but, but I hate, I hate Boston more than any other NBA team. Cause it's the yeah. Laker thing. So losing That's that me. series, I'm like, Man, I'm like, and then I'm like, man, Kobe would have had six, <laughs> right? Because that's that's the golden level now, right? For these guys, you know, Russell has more, but the new era is like six because Mike, right? So that that that, that would have been special, but just yeah, that game against Phoenix and then going on to win a championship, and, and that was obviously uh, be the last one. And just um, watching him at the end, lean more on his skill and his detail as his athleticism wane is is partly why Kings. I'm, I'm enjoying LeBron this year. Probably more so than I've ever enjoyed him as a player. You see, he's still a still a great athlete, not the other world athlete he was. Mm-hmm. But seeing the attention to detail, the shooting, depending on footwork, and just seeing the game ahead of time to remain at the top of his game, it's just it's impressive to watch guys hold on. And for a guy to be to still have that drive, you know, 16, 17, 18 years in, like Kobe had, man, it was it was special to watch. So just us, you know. R.I.P. Mama, man, I can't. I, it's just like you, like MP said, man. It's like Harbaugh said. It's it's, it's surreal that we even talking about this. Uh, right. What you said, uh, Kings. I feel like he has so much more to give to the game, detail wise. Like you hearing him talk about the game, extra knows, and not even mention what he was doing for the girls' side, the women, the girls yeah, and women's the side of the game. Right. Like so much was about to happen. We just feel we feel kind of robbed, you know, about what what about what he was going to offer us, you know, going forward. So. Prayers to you know Kobe, Vanessa, the whole family, even the yeah. other the other victims in the crash. You know we eternally yeah. send you know ten thoughts and prayers out in the basketball world, man. We 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 for sure miss you, B. Um, 
moving on from that heavy stuff real quick. Kings, I got you. I think you got I got a you got a really important community project I want you to speak on. It's real big. You have a lot to offer. Tell people who follow you understand that you're real active as far as, you know, social justice and social awareness. So please uh, let, let 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 the folks know what you're doing as far as with, with your podcast, speaking on that stuff. Yeah, you know, uh me and my uh my group, uh, we got political podcasts uh, coming up called Forward Ever. It's going to be focusing on pan-Africanist politics, uh, global African politics. Uh, We're going to have issues talking about continental issues on Africa, talking about real, like, you know, challenging just real narratives, that you know, challenging the propaganda that you get from the mainstream media. Um, We're going to have, like, uh, multiple different people we're going to be interviewing from different orgs, hopefully, and, like, just different backgrounds that's going to be able to speak on different African regions as well as different uh, regions in the you know Caribbean or like, you know, South America or wherever. So really just going to be bringing, you know, just information and news that it's not going to be put on mainstream media because, you know, mainstream media has an agenda. So uh, we just going to bring, we're going to be focusing on like, you know, what's actually occurring, what's really occurring in the world, the material a reality of the world, and that's just the perspective we're going to bring, bring in on this podcast. So it's going to be forward ever. I'm going to be posting on my Twitter, so you'll be able to find it there and listen to it. I mean, heads up, man. I'm going to keep it 100 with you because I keep it on my timeline. If you have a certain worldview, you will be challenged. That's just – I'm just going to keep it 100. You're, you will be challenged. I rock with it. You will be challenged on that by that podcast. Some of the stuff I'll say, you'll be like, what? No way this happened. You can look it up. I have all the receipts too. I got I got the bookmark, so that I'm just giving y'all a heads up. All right, man. Please look out for that. Kings is one of the most real red. I I got about ten years on this man. I'm still learning every day from this dude, man. It's all about broadening broadening your perspective and learning more, man. Do me a favor, follow at the MP show on Twitter, the underscore MP underscore show on Twitter. Also at his Kings bro, myself, JJ Maples fifty five underscore MST. Give us a follow. Hit follow and subscribe on the podcast. Thank you all for tapping in, listening this long. We appreciate you guys, and we are out of here. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.